Hello, everybody. I am Lindsay Zarniak. And I'm MJ Acosta Ruiz. And welcome to On Her Turf at the Olympics. We are so excited because this is going to be a show like you have never heard at the Olympics. We're turning the spotlight solely on the incredible women competing on the world's biggest stage. The ones who inspire us with their athleticism, their grit, their perseverance. There is so much to talk mm -hmm. about, MJ. This is where we get to do all of that. And trust us, we will. Every day of the Tokyo Olympics, we will be dedicating each minute of this show to bringing you those stories from incredible accomplishments on the field to the historic barriers that have prevented women's sports from receiving the investment and attention they deserve. We will be covering all of it. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. It was over a century ago that Hawaii's Duke Kahanamoku, known as the father of surfing, first asked for the sport to be included at the games. Seems only fitting that another Hawaiian, Carissa Moore, win the inaugural gold medal in the women's event. So here's how it goes. In surfing, your two best score scoring waves are added together to determine your total out of 20. Well, Moore clinched the victory with a score of 14.93. <laughs> That moment of victory, that celebration, always my favorite part. And with us now, fresh off of that victory, gold medal performance is Carissa. I mean, we're so excited for you. And in that video, we want to know who that is really hoisting you up in uh, what's sure to be one of your proudest moments. Oh, um, well, I had the whole U.S. surf team on the beach cheering me on. Um, I think that that was Greg Cruz and Brett Simpson, my coach, maybe, um, carrying me up. Um, and yes, they've been amazing. What does it feel like in that moment when you're done and you're walking over to the sand? Ah, well, this moment was quite overwhelming. Uh, it was kind of filled with a lot of emotion more so than any other championship tour event or event I've competed in just because it was, uh, you know, a first time ever for surfing to, in the Olympics and to be able to represent my country and surf for something bigger than myself was really, really special. Wow. Oh, I mean, just the tears flowing down. We can, we can feel it actually, as we're watching uh, the footage there with you and Chris, we've won four world titles, but to be the first woman to win Olympic cold, what does that moment mean to you? Oh, I, I think, you know, this moment just isn't about me, but it's about the community of people that have been there the whole way through and loved and supported me and gotten me to this moment. Um, I wouldn't be here without them. And uh, yeah, I'm just so, so proud to be representing the USA and my home in Hawaii. How about to, to be a woman doing what you did? Um, what does that mean to you in terms of generations that you can inspire? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud to be a woman in the sport of surfing right now. I'm continually inspired by my peers who are, are pushing the sport and, and inspired by all the women who have paved the way um, for, for us to be where we are today. And I'm excited to hopefully um, we shed a little light for the next generation too. Uh, you know, away from the Olympics um, or the championship tour, surfing is one of the only sports that awards equal pay for the top professional circuit. Can you speak about the impact of that? Oh, it's, it's huge. It's not just about having equal prize money, but just that's the statement that it makes it. Um, the world championship tour really took the lead and has given us this platform to really perform 
at an equal level, uh, equal playing field with the men. And, um, that means a lot just to have that respect and, um, to be raised up on that level. Carissa, I want to ask you about your dad because we know what an inspiration he's been to you. I know he's your neighbor right back home, but have you had the conversation with your dad after you won this medal? And if so, what was that like? Uh, I haven't had the chance to actually talk to him in person. It's been kind of a whirlwind since everything happened. Oh, no. We were texting and, um, you know, he's been there since the very beginning. I wouldn't be surfing if he hadn't pushed me into my first wave. So um, he was stoked. I can't wait to go home, bring home the medal and celebrate with him. What did his text say? I love you and I'm proud of you. Oh, (laughs) yes, Papa Bear. (laughs) Awesome. That's so cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Carissa. Congratulations. We're just pumped to continue to watch you and your career. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Get some sleep. All right, coming up, we're going to take a look at the swimming event that will, after over 100 years, finally be contested by women for the first time tonight. And we will talk to two athletes who compete in sports that are still only open to one gender. They're hoping that one day male artistic swimming and women in Nordic combined will get the chance to compete at the Games. We'll be back with more of the On Her Turf podcast after this. everybody, welcome back to On Her Turf at the Olympics. As a brand new event, the Olympic record in the women's 1500 meter free was established in the very first preliminary heat and then broken four times. American Erica Sullivan celebrated on Twitter, this tweet is the best, that she at least got to hold that Olympic record for 16 minutes before her teammate, Katie Ledecky, broke it in the following heat. I love the humor there. I'll but take I'll, it. Yeah, I'll proceed to flex my 16 minutes. every second of that. Yeah, you can apply that to a lot of different things in life, I think. Um, In swimming, the women's 1500 meter free has been contested at the World Championships since 2001. Men have been swimming the distance at the Olympics since 1908, but the Tokyo Games are going to mark the very first time women have the chance to compete in that event at the Olympics. And Lindsay, there is a clear favorite for gold, right? American Mm -hmm. Katie Ledecky, who has owned the women's 1500 meter world record since 2013. If you've watched any swimming in the last decade, this name may be familiar to you. Katie Ledecky, 15 years old, is going to win Olympic gold. Ledecky will indeed get another gold medal of the 800 and the world record. It's fair to say, Katie Ledecky is crushing it in the pool, breaking record after record, often even demolishing her own records. Katie Ledecky smashes her own world record. Ledecky is on her way to history. She is a five-time Olympic gold medal winner, sometimes even winning by several body lengths. Yet one medal still eludes her by no fault of her own. But that's all about to change. Men have been swimming the 1,500-meter freestyle in Olympic Games for well over 100 years, beginning back in 1908. And finally, for the first time in Olympic history, women will be swimming the 1,500-meter freestyle race, too. It's 
the women's 1500 meters, a brand new event in the Olympic program for women. It's been a long time. It's about time. Everyone standing, cheering, and appreciating the greatness that is Katie Ledecky. She swims the fastest time in the world this year in the 1500. I think we were all just so fired up. We finally get this chance. We're making history tonight. If 1,500 meters seems like a lot, well, it is. It's just shy of a mile, or 30 lengths in the pool. But with her impressive qualifying time at U.S. Trials, Ledecky could have won gold in every men's Olympic 1,500 meter until 1976. And here in Tokyo, she'll set out to make history once again on her quest for gold in the first women's 1,500 meter Olympic race. And we know making history is nothing new for this superhuman. Just greatness, straight up. All right, Ledecky's yeah. time at Olympic trials <laughs> would have won gold uh, in the men's event at every Olympic prior to 1976. Just some nuggets for you guys. She owns the 12 fastest times in history. And by the way, it's not the only event she is swimming tonight. No, Ledecky is also expected to contend in the 200 meter final where she is the defending Olympic champion. In the last century, only two men have won a medal in both the 200 meter and 1500 meter at the same Olympics. Neither of them had to swim both events on the same day, let well, alone I mean, just an hour apart, a little over an the hour. Physical exertion, amazing. NBC's primetime coverage begins at 8 o'clock Eastern. Next up for us, a discussion with men's artistic swimmer Bill May and Nordic combined athlete Tara Garrity Motes. Stay with us on On Her Turf. We'll be right back. sports that aren't open to both men and women. So at the Winter Olympics, women don't compete in Nordic combined. At the Summer Olympics, men don't compete in either rhythmic gymnastics or artistic swimming. But that doesn't mean athletes don't compete in these <laughs> events, of course. And we are joined now by artistic swimmer Bill May and Nordic combined athlete Tara Garrity Motes. Thank you both for being here. Now, I'm just curious because clearly both of you are not unable uh, to compete uh, at this point uh, in the games because of gender. Bill, what were some of the reasons you were given for this? Well, you know, it's unfortunate because uh, we just were introduced into the World Championships in 2015. So we're still trying to create that men element in our sport to be equal with the females. So right now it's just in the growing stage. Uh, and I think it'll be in the Olympics soon, but we're just really pushing for more men in the sport, for more competitions. We don't have men at the world championships yet outside of the mixed West. So we're trying to get solos, men on the team. So we're really trying to push for equality for men in the sport. Were you two aware of each other because of this plight that you're connected by? Tara, I'll start with you. A little bit. Um, I've, I definitely knew that men's synchronized swimming was one of the few other sports that does not have um, a class for both genders. Wow. And Bill? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, we try to follow the different sports because mm -hmm. the more that we can show that, you know, these sports need to push forward. And it's not just about, you know, um, gender equity in the sport, but it's also about making the sports grow. 
you know, so when we see other sports that aren't equal, you know, it's, it's kind of a putting a cap on its growth. So anything that we can do as a community for all sports, because we all want that Olympic dream and we all want to um, see our sport succeed. So it's better if we can join forces and, and grow as one. Yeah, strength in numbers, no doubt. Uh, I, I want to hit you both on this here, but Bill, we just saw uh, some video of one of your routines there. That looks unbelievably difficult and equally beautiful. Um, I'll start with you, Bill. Can you tell me a little bit about the training and the skills needed for this? I, I see a little ballet. It's giving me ballet. It's giving me uh, very strong swimming skills as well. Educate me, please. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, people think of artistic swimming as what you would see in the movies with Aston Williams, but it takes so much more. Outside of the pool, you know, we're strength training. We're training our flexibility. And it takes, we can train up to 10 to 12 hours a day just to be kind of efficient in the water. You know, and then we're outside the water doing all of our strength training and finding music and doing choreography and working together. So it, it takes a lot of our day. And it's, it's a, basically a full-time job. Wow. Right. You do all that. And then it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're in water and you're having to keep yourself, you know, <laughs> I would drown immediately. levitating. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. Um, Tara, Nordic combined. This is extremely challenging for our, our viewers that mm -hmm. don't know, because it's two separate sports skills combined. Right. right. And we've talked about this. Women could not play basketball running around before. We also talked about the 1500 meter swim, which is now open to women for the first time. Do you think that there is a perception Nordic combined is too difficult for women? I think historically there was for sure a perception that Nordic combined was too difficult for women. Um, it's one of the original six Olympic sports. So of course, when the Olympics did first start, uh, it was definitely not in anyone's mind that the Olympics could include, or the Olympics Nordic combined could include women. Um, luckily though, it's 2021 and hopefully we can change uh, the idea of what different genders can do and, and really, um, disassociate gender with sport. I think that's really what 2021 is about and just give everyone the opportunity that they deserve and, um, you know, keep in line with that Olympic movement and that Olympic movement is to encourage sport and encourage development and give young children role models to look up to. And I think what really need to hit home is that when we aren't included in the game, maybe we're a small group of athletes wearing niche sports, but we're also telling the younger generation, hey, your identity isn't valid. And that's really not okay. You know, we need to move into a future of inclusion, a future of, you know, a broader uh, lens of different types of role models that young children can grow into. Tara, you hit the, the nail on the head with that. Your uh, sport or your identity, what you love, your passion isn't valid. That hits so close to home because I think there's so many facets here. These are two sports uh, very near and dear to your hearts, but you uh, were both chatting with us right before we started about this, about how you're training now. So mm -hmm. this is still very active. What is next for each of you? And, and I'll start with you, uh, Bill. How can you get your sport um, and that, that you're in, it's open to both genders here uh, at the Olympics? So for me, for artistic swimming, we actually organized some um, virtual competitions. So we had a World Cup back in January, and um, that was the last competition that I competed at because we're really trying to push men in all events. Um, so like where you were saying, where you were saying it's not correct for maybe the opposite gender. And I feel that just kind of, you know, makes a challenge that us as athletes that we want to see break down. We want to break down those walls. 
so right now I'm training um, in the circus and we just started back shows for Cirque du Soleil, but I'm also trying to grow men in the sport. So I'm in California right now coaching for my club, the Santa Clara Aquamates. And we're just trying to promote more men in the sport, more athletes, more um, events that will include men in the sport and, you know, overall grow the sport. What about you, Tara? Um, I'm currently, uh, as I said, training as a biathlete. So taking a step back in order to remind you of the fact that I cannot go to the Olympics in my sport. It's also really hard for me to find sponsors and mm. um, financial support from my national governing body because a lot of the funds that um, Nordic sports get are allocated from the US OPC and um, kind of trickles down from the IOC. What a lot of people don't know is the revenue that the IOC um, creates from the Olympics. A lot of that revenue goes to NGBs and then to athletes. Because I'm not an Olympic sport, I don't have that financial support um, to continue my sport, even though I'm back in the world. So I'm going to do biathlon for a little bit and see if uh, when the Nordic Combined does get in the Olympics, I'm definitely pushing forward and, and working closely with SIS and hopefully the IOC to, to get my sport included um, while training full-time for biathlon, which is not a um, not an easy sport at all. I, uh, before we go, I wanted to ask both of you, but I'll start with Bill. How close do you think we are to seeing these events included in the Olympics? Um, well, you know, the I did a solo back in... January, and it was kind of in response to um, them excluding men in the sport. You know, the Olympics, it's, it's, a, it's a numbers game. So trying to get other events in, it's difficult. But I think the more that we can push for, and you know, like Tara said, we don't have a lot of sponsors. So it's hard to, um, you know, get these sports in when we don't have sponsors because there's not those promotions. So we need the sponsors to get out there. We need the clubs to get out there. We need the athletes to get out there and really show themselves so I think the sooner that we can do that, the easier it's going to be to get into the Olympics and just get support from, you know, like people around the world, just as spectators. Tara, do you feel like we're close? Well, I was really amazed to be an athlete ambassador in Lausanne 2020. That was an amazing experience and, and so magical to be part of the Olympic movement and watch the Olympic spirit happen firsthand at the Youth Olympics. So hopefully the next step is the Senior Olympics. And I'm looking really positively towards the 2026 Games to have on the combined. Great. Tara, Bill, thank you both uh, for joining us. Thank you for talking about your sports and, and the challenges that you face, but also the hope that you have for getting them into the Olympics. We truly appreciate seeing both of you. Thank you. Tara, good luck. <laughs> As a reminder, On Her Turf at the Olympics will be streaming every day, Mondays through Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sundays at 6 o'clock. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts and be sure to follow On Her Turf on Twitter and Instagram. Until tomorrow, I'm MJ Acosta-Ruiz. For Lindsay Zarniak, we'll have more On Her Turf waiting right here for you. guys. This podcast is presented by NordaTrack from iFit.